hustlers shooting eight ball, throwing darts at the wall, feeling down near ten feet tall. Here she comes, Lord help us all. OTW's girlfriend done slapped him out his chair. Poor old boy, it ain't his fault. It's so hard not to stare at that honky tonk, but don't get down. Keeping perfect rhythm, make you wanna swing along. Got it going on like honky tonk. Slap your grandma There ought to be a law Get the sheriff on the phone Lord have mercy How she even gets them bridges on That honky-tonk Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie Right here on 104.9 The Horn New theme Thursday That's when Jack plays uh, jams That are supposed to provide clues and hints To Harge and I As to what the new theme of the day is Got it pretty quickly It's all about the booty-licious Badonka-donk uh, all songs uh, that reference are all about the booty, all right? The butt, the beautiful butt, the uh, Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size butt. Uh, you know what? All butts. Oh, no, no. Not even, the big ones, that's great too, but small ones and mm. you know, medium size, they're all great. It's all good, all right? That's what the show is about, the theme of the day. So I appreciate my man Jack. That is a great theme. They kept us on our toes. I like that one. Um, okay, we'll get to some NBA news notes and nuggets here because there are tons of them to get to. Uh, you can always be a part of the show. Specs text lines the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Uh, you also can hit us up via Twitter. Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Jack is at Jack A. Farrell, and that is uh, Colin, not Will. Like that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. You can hit me up uh, there as well. All right, gentlemen, we got a ton of uh, NBA discussion to get into, and we won't have time to get to all of it. So any we don't, we'll, uh, we'll shelve that to the next hour or the next segment. Uh, okay, let's get into the first big topic of conversation, um, which was, and we'll work our way backwards because there are a couple of these trades we got to get to. Uh, we'll start with the most recent trade, unless there's been another one, guys. You guys let me know. I might have missed something here uh which sends cp3 we're all wondering where cp3 would end up going well now we know cp3 will be a golden state warrior for the foreseeable future uh and that's going to send jordan Poole as a part of that deal it's going to send him away to the wizards and the warriors are going to end up getting uh the CP3 in this deal. More mm-hmm. details. Sham Sharania, who first reported the deal, reported the Warriors are sending Jordan Poole a protected first-round pick in 2030 and a second round in 2027 to the Wizards for Chris Paul. Uh, in addition to that, I believe some more details. So the Golden State are also trading their 2022 second rounder, Ryan Rollins, to Washington as part of that Poole CP3 deal. All right, Harge. We were, I think we pretty much uh, hypothesized the <laughs> CP3 going a number of places. Hell, damn near every team in Texas. Uh, we had the, uh, the, I guess, the conversation, the thought experiment of could this team use CP3 and would he help them? Did it make sense? Does this make sense, CP3 to the Warriors for you? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. I don't, I don't think that they got better. I just think that they are looking to fill a void or fill a spot on a roster. And, you know, at first I was thinking they told us that he was going to stay. But I've heard them lie before, and that's what they do when you're trying to make a decision. The the entire process of this is Jordan Poole seemed to be in a bad place in that locker room. Um, When he was traded, Chris Paul was traded to the Wizards, we all thought that this was going to be 
a, a guy that was going to try to find a way out of his contract, right? It was going to be a, a, what was it, a sign and trade or a mm-hmm. wave or something like that because there was no way he was going to play for a rebuilding Washington Wizards team and no way were the Washington Wizards going to bring that contract in to be able to have that type of move, right? So as I sat and we were thinking about this, I think the next move for for CP3 is he may not want to be with the Warriors himself because you don't know exactly how this is going to play out because where is he going to play? Is he going to play in front of Steph? No. When is the last time you've seen Chris Paul come off the bench? It's not who he is. He needs to have the ball in his hand to be effective. He's older now, and, and, and he, He's older. Yeah, he might need to make that decision. Yeah. I personally think thought that he was going to go to a team where he was going to be the, the guy as the point guard. He didn't have to be the one that was scoring. He didn't have to be the guy that uh, was going to be the face of the team. He just needed to be on a team where he can facilitate and knock down a few shots here and there. That's why I thought with him uh, – um, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, I thought that was a great place for him. But I th- also thought that CP3 seems like the type of guy that will get on your nerves as a teammate too because well, he's always trying that, to hold you accountable well, that could be a, a good lot thing. of things. That could be a good thing. But, and, but the Warriors don't need that. That's what I was just that's about to say. When he was they there, need, yeah. yeah, there was probably like – it's like know the room, right? Read the room when you walk into yeah. it. We even talked about he could go to Memphis because they need that they type need of – They need that type of guy. They need that type of influence But they got on the that one with, with Marcus – They just got that with Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart, yeah. yeah. He would be able to be that guy and kind of understand that. But the whole thing for me, I don't believe it's a good move for, for – um, Golden State, I definitely think it was a good move for Jordan Poole and the Washington Wizards because now Jordan Poole can actually go over there and be, Jordan, I'm going to shoot it every time I touch it, Poole, because they don't have anybody else that he would be able to move the ball with because Bradley Bill is gone, so there's some volume scoring that could be there. I don't disagree totally that the CP3 move doesn't do much for Golden State, but you, I think you, if you say it's a bad move for, for Golden State, you neglect that they get rid of that contract. Of Jordan Poole's. Right. Like that's part that's of it, That's a business too. move for them. That's part yeah, of that it, That was too. part of the business. And I also believe behind the scenes there may have been more friction, mm-hmm. uh, more toxicity with Jordan Poole than, you know, that we know about. We know about some of it, but I think there may have been a little bit more of it, too. Um, we still don't know about Draymond Green's status. I know there is some talk that Draymond Green may come back at a discounted rate to the Golden State Warriors, and maybe this is their... The old man push, Jack, you brought up that old aging CP3, old aging Draymond, old aging Steph, and old aging Clay. One last hurrah, one last push to try to get it. As someone who is extremely sick of the Golden State Warriors, (laughs) I am just sitting here stewing, getting more and more worried that they're going to restructure this Chris Paul deal, get Draymond back on a discount, and then they're going to go and sign like Chris Middleton or something, oh, and then we're going to have to deal with them again. Don't this, say this was glorious. I was heartbroken when my Sacramento Kings, my pet playoff team, because the Rockets <laughs> were not in it, yeah, could not yeah. pull that off. You got to adopt. For a good point, you got to adopt the team when your team's not in it and the Rockets yeah, have not been in it. Yeah. To your point, though, that you bring up that they could do something really savvy here, salary cap rise and contract-wise, I would say just they don't have Bob Myers in there anymore. I'm not saying the new GM, what's it, Dunleavy? Mike Dunleavy. Dun- Dun- I'm not saying he's not. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <make sure laughs> junior. I'm not saying he's not, he's not great, but 
I mean, Bob Myers, I and honestly, now looking back in retrospect, I don't know if Bob Myers was doing anything that high level. No. He was just, they were just saying, F the luxury tax, and we'll pay the luxury tax, whatever ridiculous amount it was. I think it ended up being nine figures for him last year, nine-figure luxury tax. And they're fine with that because they'll make it back on the other end once they win titles. Yep. But now they're not winning titles, and Bob Myers is gone. I don't know if they're savvy enough to be able to rework these things. and Maybe they, they could, but you know, I brought this up earlier, and this is we're going to see this. Um, these new um, kind of star, uh, star turnover. Uh, we're going to see a lot more star turnover, I should say, with the new CBA. Yep. Um, and a lot of the um, the insiders, and I brought this up yesterday, and I'll just, just read really quickly what the different uh, penalties are for uh, teams going over what they call the second apron of the salary cap. Essentially, they have a salary cap, and this is a soft cap. Then they have a harder kind of what they call the second apron of that cap, which is gives you like an extra $18 million to work with. Just in case you didn't work the numbers, you know, quite accurately and you need a little wiggle room, not a lot, but a little wiggle room, they give you a little wiggle room. That's the second apron. But if yeah. you want to abuse the salary cap, right, they, they're going to allow you to uh, circumvent the salary cap and maneuver the salary cap. But if you want to just abuse it, then they're going to punish you. And they're going to do right. it harshly. So the new CBA kicks in July 1st. And the new CBA introduces a second salary cap apron that I just talked about at $17.5 million above the luxury tax line. And it heavily punishes teams that cross that threshold. Beginning this summer, teams above the second apron will lose access to the taxpayer mid-level exception. And they'll be limited to, t- to taking back no more than 110% of the salary they send out in trades. Right now, it's closer to 125%, a little bit over that. The penalties get even worse. All right, They continue to increase and get harsher in 23-24 season. Starting next offseason, teams above the second apron can't take back more money than they send out in trades, can't trade a first-round pick seven years in the future, can't aggregate salaries in trades, or receive players on existing contracts if they sign and trade away their own free agents. In other words, beginning in 24-25, teams above the second apron will largely be limited to re-signing only their own players and handing out veteran minimum contracts in free agency, and they'll also have far more restrictions than they currently have on the trade market. Mm. And that's why a lot of teams right now, they're dumping salary. they got to dump salary because either you're dumping salary or you're going all in before these uh, salary cap restrictions on the new CBA get so harsh. All right, and the consequences are so extreme that you are handcuffed. All right, you're handicapped on what you can do in terms of your team building. So you're either going all in right now, which some mm-hmm. teams are doing. Right? You see the Suns, they're going all in. They're like, you know what, man, we got to go all in. Boston's like, oh, we're going all in. Or you're seeing teams go, we better dump selling. We better do it now. Yeah. Because if we're over that second apron come next offseason, the penalties are way too harsh for us to be able to even operate and function. All right, as an NBA franchise, like we're going to be, it's going to be, so basically the NBA's, they're not forcing you to have a more homegrown, organic model. You're not going right. to be able to abuse the luxury tax like the Warriors and the Clippers have done the last few years. Where they say, F the, F the luxury tax. I got my billionaire. I don't give a damn about your luxury tax. Yeah. Oh, 100 million. Ooh, I'm scared. I'm a billionaire. I got like $20 billion. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> times, I'm, I'm fine. So that's why they want to guard against the, the billionaire who is just willing to overspend to try to keep the stars. Yeah. Yeah. The luxury tax is something that that definitely needs to be paid attention to. And, you know, we were talking about this before. The L.A. Rams, 
Remember yeah. how they were F talking about? Yep, we're going to do whatever we need to do mm-hmm. to go get a W. But some of these teams, when you go all in, you got to hit. You got to hit. You got to hit. If you're going to risk all that and spend all that, you have to hit. Because if not, it's a big waste. Because you didn't get to the you didn't get to the promised land. So that is something that uh, as we continue to watch basketball unveil and all the different things that are involved with it, it is going to be a fascinating watch to see how people can manipulate the cap anymore to make mm-hmm. sure that they because where are the players going to go? Because the money is going to be so out of hand. There's going to be so many different places where they're not going to be able to play. Yeah, that's why I think that it's, it's definitely going to be a shift in the philosophy. Um, but I, I think that Adam Silver wants teams to have to – basically he wants the value of draft picks to increase too. Yeah. He wants teams to have to kind of go back to drafting. The old school model. Yes, and building through the draft. Now – you know, I think right now we're the extreme on the other side of right. We're on the other uh, other end of this spectrum on the extreme where mm-hmm. the value of draft picks in the NBA has dropped precipitously. Teams don't give a damn about draft picks at all, and they're all about building through the free agent market. And there is a distinct advantage for glamour markets. Mm-hmm. When that is the primary way to build, and you could say, well, they could build through free agency if they want. I mean, so they can build through free agency if they want to, if they're a non glamour market. That's tougher for San Antonio. I don't, shouldn't bring up San Antonio, but it's tougher for smaller market <laughs> teams because San Antonio's only got what one big time free agent in the last 25 years. That was that may uh, change. That was, yeah, what you're right about that. Lamarcus Aldridge, <laughs> right? Lamarcus um, Aldridge, but it is a distinct advantage when you're in a glamour market and you want to build that way. And if you're in a non glamour market, you're forced to be patient mm-hmm. and build like Denver builds. Right, and that's great. But who these who these days is letting a coach stick around for seven, eight years and help him build it? How long has Malone been there? Was his seventh year? This is this. I think this is his sixth year. Six is six year, yeah, right? Yeah, like most, that's why he kept saying I was the the organization was patient enough. They were patient enough to make sure that this was going to work yeah. out. Most yeah. teams aren't that patient, so right. I think he's just trying to now uh, give the NBA a little bit more balance with the new CBA. You can still build it via free agency if you want to, but you can't. You're not going to be able to be lopsided in that philosophy. You're going to have to get a little bit of free agency. You can you can start with free agency and finish your team off with the draft, or you can build it with the draft and then finish it off in free agency. But you're not going to be able to just go all in on free agency anymore. It's not yeah, going to let you. you do can't, it. They won't let you. Luxury do it. tax will be too. Yeah, it's just going to be too great. Uh, okay, that's a lot too. It is. It is. Uh, but it, that kicks in July first. Okay, so the other uh, trade. And I think this actually is a a trade that works for. Uh, seems like everybody involved. It's rare you get a win 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 in a three way trade. And yep. by the way, you guys mentioned this thing fell apart as you talked about Harge. Well, at least the first the first three way trade her, yep. uh, fell apart when they tried to add Brogdon to this deal and Brogdon could, didn't pass the physical. So they reworked everything and came back to the table and the Celtics, Wizards, and the Grizzlies agreed to a three team trade to send Christoph Porzingis to the Celtics, Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies and Tyus Jones to the Wizards. Those are the main pieces. There's some other details uh, as part of the deal. Memphis sending Boston its uh, first-round pick in today's draft, the 25th overall selection, and the Golden State Warriors' top four protected first-round pick in 2024, uh, while the Celtics are sending the 35th pick in today's draft to Washington. The Celtics are also sending Danilo Gallinari and center Mike Muscala to Washington as part of the deal. Uh, I love this for... Two teams. Uh, I like it for the other team, but for Boston, this is a great deal. Hell, man! I, like I said I, I, I was hoping that the Rockets actually would try to get in on this Kristaps Porzingis thing. I brought that up yesterday. Yep. But for Boston, a team that has been close 
Um, they need something to kind of the, to put them over the top. Christos Porzingis, and because he was in Washington, nobody paid any attention. He had a fantastic year last year. Mm-hmm. He really had a great year. His uh, his stats. His he, best year. You that yes. he's had since yeah, what you said, second year in the he league. He played sixty five games. Yeah. That is the most games he's played since his second year in the league, mm-hmm. 2016-2017. And he was uh hitting fifty five over fifty five. I'm damn near fifty six percent of his uh shots from the field, uh thirty eight point five percent of his three pointers. If you go look at EPM um and his how he's rated, he was rated as the eighteenth best player in the league. Basically, and he's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he also averaged over one and a half blocks a game, too. So defensively, he actually was pretty good. And I didn't realize how, how lethal he was from three-point range. On catch-and-shoot three-pointers, 39%. Uh-huh. 39% shoot on catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He will stroke you. On corner threes, 47.6%. Almost 48% on corner threes. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. He's extremely effective as a drop defender uh, in the half-court defense, not necessarily a pick-and-roll defender. He gets exposed there. But as a drop defender, you put him in the right situation. He also can help you on defense. He's not a liability. That is a hell of a pickup for Boston. Man, I love that pickup considering Al Horford and his age. Was he 37 in his 17th season? They got Robert Williams the third. They're worried about his durability. At least now, with all those guys, you're worried about durability a little bit. But one of those three all right, should be available to help you down the stretch. Yeah. If not more than one. My boy, who's a huge, huge Boston fan, just texted me while we were talking about it. And he said, Why would you get rid of the heart and soul of your basketball team to bring in a, a stiff like Porzingis, who, as, as you said just a minute ago, this is the most games that he's played since his second year in the league. It's true. So it is going to be a question. But like I told him, if this works, this is genius move. Yep. This is a great move talent-wise because he is an upgrade from Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart may be one of the toughest players in the league, but he wasn't one of the best shooters in the league. He wasn't he yeah. wasn't a guy that you could depend on to get buckets. Yes, he would have a, a game or two, but he's not a walking bucket like Porzingis is. What Porzingis. they needed was somebody to help him finish. Yep, exactly. And Porzingis, They needed another guy yeah. to score like that. Marcus Smart ain't going to help you do that. This, what I would tell your friend is a Boston fan is – Oh, no, he listening. Tell him. Mikey, yeah, he's Mike, listening. Hey, Mike, <laughs> I brought these stats up yesterday. I don't know if you heard them. How about this? These stats from last year for the Celtics. They were tied with the 2018 Oklahoma City Thunder for the most losses as a favorite in a single season. Ding, ding, ding. Since at least 2003. That's they had 29 losses as a favorite, as a favorite in a single season. That's the most since 03. They finished with the most playoff losses as a favorite since 2008. They had eight of them in the playoffs. Eight as a favorite. Vegas couldn't even figure out Boston. Mm-hmm. They were like, damn. They were, they were such an underachiever that they, they made Vegas wrong with regularity. <laughs> The, the Celtics, have, they had the most losses as uh, more than a five-point favorite in that span, too. They had seven of those. They tied last year's Celtics team, ironically, mm-hmm. for the most losses as a home favorite. Home favorite. They couldn't even home. win at home as a favorite. Referees. In the regular season and playoffs, right? Referees would work with them. <laughs> Boston had the most losses as a double-digit favorite with mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. They had the most since 2013 as a double-digit favorite. Favorite. Among teams with at least five losses as a favorite in the playoffs, the Celtics had the second worst against the spread margin behind last year's Suns, who were embarrassed uh, by the, sorry, not last year, but two years ago, I should say now, uh, who were embarrassed by the Dallas Mavs in Game 7. 
They they're regressing. They got to do something. Yep. They're regressing. They're getting worse. Seems like a big vote of confidence in Derek White too. Yes, I agree with that. But if you look, they don't have anybody that can pass the ball. That's an that's an issue they need to address. Is they don't have a facilitator. It's going to be great for Porzingis to get all these catch and shoot looks, but you need someone to drive and kick. That's not Tatum's game, really. Nope. No, because it is his drive, and I'm gonna take it, and I'm gonna take it, and I'm gonna take it. Yeah, he can. And that's do his it. role. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, but you need somebody with a different role. Yeah, to move that ball around. Uh, I don't disagree with that. That's a great point uh, there by Jack. Uh, I, I will also uh, point out the Marcus Smart move uh, for for Memphis. It it couldn't be more perfect timing, guys. They need maturity. They need a mm-hmm. guy. They mm-hmm. they need a locker room guy. They need a culture guy. Um, grit. Then, which, by the way, they got plenty of that. They got grit. They got toughness. That's what kind of what Memphis is, and he fits that. So he fits their culture already. But he'll improve their culture because their their culture has too much. Uh, it's too clownish. Mm-hmm. They got too much nonsense in their culture. It's a little immature. He can, I think he, I understand he can fix it, but he can help remedy some of those issues. And here's a guy that will tell Jean Morant what he thinks of him. Oh, for sure. And not a lot of guys in that locker room will. Yeah, because he don't believe in all the nonsense and and all that hype that's about it. He's about, hey man, let's work on this feet on this court and get things right. You need to be a mature basketball player in the NBA. And you know, Marcus is from Dallas. He knows what it's all about. Hey, come on now. <laughs> yeah, he's from D Town. What part of D Town? Oh, uh, he went to Flower Mound. Though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was that's... because hey, that was because he was moving. Hey, you no, know no, what I'm hey, hey. I went to Houston Lamar, but I'm from South Park. Hey, that's because Mama was smart. Mama's like, no, he's gonna go to school in the nicest part of Houston. Yes, sir. But just because we live in the hood, don't mean he's got to go to school in the hood. Come on now. I love it. Uh, all right, so uh, that's some NBA discussion. Uh, I do want to preview more of the NBA draft. We can do that in the uh, six o'clock hour coming up. What we think the uh, Rockets, what the we know what the Spurs are gonna do. No mystery there. Mm. What the Rockets and the Mavs are gonna Ooh. do. We got to get into that. So we'll do that in the six o'clock coming up next segment. I want to get into this Brandon Miller. We're talking NBA draft still, but Brandon Miller, who was once thought to be, at least by majority opinion, to be the, the, the second uh, uh, prospect, the second highest rated prospect in this mm-hmm. draft, and he was going to end up being the second pick in this draft. Well, recently, his draft stock has started to fall. It is actually plummeting, and some are saying now that he could drop, even drop to the Rockets potentially. We'll talk about why his stock may be dropping. Well, we'll, we'll get into a conspiracy theory as to why his stock is dropping, and why he may be our favorite new player in this NBA draft. We'll talk about why he is rising. Also, there is, of course, the conversation about the sub we had yesterday, and I think there is uh, sad news about the update yep. about the lost submersal mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, trying to uh, view the Titanic wreckage with about five passengers on board. Um, I actually started getting into, I went down a rabbit hole about these organized um, organized Dives. life, no, just organized kind of life-risking recreational uh, uh, activities this is gonna be great. that people are into. No, no, I think I found one of the more popular ones because I went down a rabbit hole about it, and I want to talk about what may be the most dangerous job in the world. And I don't know if there's any competition for it. We'll talk about that on the other side, too. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. 
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 Now the Horn. Uh, so we're kind of getting into the discussion that I want to have, actually. We're getting into it in the break here. Jack, uh, Harge, and myself. Uh, unfortunately, it seems uh, like the uh, submersal, the Titan submersal um, that was lost uh, on their way to view the wreckage of the Titanic um, looks like the reports are that they are gone. Um, and I think the, be- the belief is that it imploded from the pressure. Uh, that it couldn't withstand the pressure for that amount of time. It was not built uh, to withstand that kind of pressure. Uh, so there's obviously our hearts and um, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with the families because that was just tough to go through. Uh, and I'm sure that um, the families are going through a lot right now. So not trying to be insensitive and mock it. But it is an, it is an interesting conversation to have because uh, people keep pointing out that, you know, they signed the release that – it mentioned three different times that they could die, and they still signed the release. And it is it's psychological. Three different times on the front page. It mentioned three it. different times on, on the, the front, front page, page right? Probably three hundred times throughout the entire document. <laughs> exactly. Yes, on the front page, like you, did they put it in bold caps? <laughs> yes, that you will die. You could die. Death yep. is a very real option. It's probably a higher option a than very high, any of yes. the other ones coming back. So it is because people go and, you know, you know, you have, you know, a good life when your life is so good, you risk it to entertain yourself. Right. But I'm not but I'm not judging you. Right. I think it's, you know, it's, it's just part of the human condition. Like some of us are just wired that way. The adrenaline junkies, whatever you want to call it. I'm not one of those people. Some people would say I am. Some people say you play football, which is a violent game. Now, I've always said I would never be involved with organized uh, recreational life risking activities, right? Um, football to me, I was being paid for it, and my goal was to be paid for it. So it wasn't technically recreational. I mean, the scholarship, that's what I did it for, and then I got paid the NFL. So, and even the dream of when I first started technically was to become a professional. So that's what I was doing recreationally, you could argue, when I was yep. a child. All right. But as I got older, yes, it was very dangerous, and it gets more dangerous as you get older. But like I said, it wasn't recreational for me. That was livelihood. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that, you know, like I said, we have there's, uh, you know, certain people, part of our society, they do live to, um, you know, really you know, go for these life risking kind of activities um, mm-hmm. just for the thrill of it. Thrill seekers. So one of the mo- more popular uh, organized recreational life risking activities is mountain climbing. Yep. Um. And I, when I was doing a rabbit hole, just kind of rabbit holing about these types of activities, um, summiting, which is trying to climb to the top of a mountain, and most notably, the most popular of these mountains is Mount Everest. You know, 331 people have died attempting to reach the summit of Mount Everest. 331 people. And by the way, just in 2023, 17 people died on Mount Everest. You I'm know, sure they have to find a way. Did you say just in 2023? Just in 2023. Did yeah. you know on the trail on Mount Everest that they use dead no, 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 bodies no, no, no. Yes, as markers? markers? I was getting to that too. Part of my part of the, the rant here. Um, and, and by the way, the, so the summit of Mount Everest, you have 331 people that have died trying to reach the summit. Um, and by the way, the summit is 29,000 feet, um, which is the basically it's the highest uh, climbable mountaintop to summit. Okay. Um, that's basically why it is so popular. And the deaths are due to avalanches. People fall. People, they have what they call a death zone. Sometimes it's frostbite. 
Sometimes it's you know uh, it's you know some type of health problem, pre-existing issue or whatever. There's also a death zone where the oxygen levels drop to dangerously low levels and they're not mm-hmm. sufficient really for human life basically at that point. And that's where a lot of the deaths happen. What they call the death zone. Now, uh, keep it, keep that, keep the death zone in mind because I'm gonna come back to the death zone. Uh, 2023, you had 17 people died. Six of those were Sherpers. They are the guides. These are probably some of the bravest human beings on the planet and is probably doing the toughest job on the planet. Um, 2014, 16 Sherpers died in an avalanche. Uh, and the Sherpers die, unfortunately, all the time because they are the guides through the mountains. Yep. And... They are a lot of them from uh, Tibetan, you know, ancestry, and they've actually done studies. There's a really good documentary uh, called 14 Peaks that you should watch about this. And it gets into the Sherpas and stuff, too. It's really good. But anyway, I digress. They've studied this group and apparently the ancestors and these current Sherpas they they have uh, 30 different genetic factors that make their bodies better suited for high altitudes and for mountain climbing. And they have what they call the EPAS1 gene. It's known as a super athlete gene. And what they found is most of the high level elite athletes as they've studied around the world in different sports also have this gene. And this gene helps regulate the body's production of hemoglobin and allows for greater efficiency uh, use of oxygen. Fascinating stuff, right? So we talk about the ecosystem and uh, it's just great. Darwinism, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, but basically, and getting back to the point that uh, Jack brought up, you have so many people that have died there. It's really tough to retrieve the bodies. You're, you're basically going to risk your life to retrieve the bodies off of the mountain. Is that many of them. So due to the difficulty in retrieving the passed away souls who've died trying to summit Mount Everest. And if basically they basically remain where they are and they are used over 200 bodies actually are used as landmarks by climbers. Mm. And they're given names, nicknames such as green boots. And red jacket. They are just to help the yeah, climbers yeah, yeah. be able to navigate like, hey, when you're over there, watch, you'll get to green boots and then you'll know. Crazy stuff. And uh, basically people have died on missions trying to retrieve some of these passed away bodies. That's why they, they tell you let the government do it because I believe they go on these missions to clean up the mountain because people leave trash on the mountain, too, because. Yep, yep. They, they're climbing the mountain. They're, they're not worried about uh, the environment at they're that point. They're trying to keep it moving. Yeah. yeah uh, and basically, they have discouraged uh, any groups from going up and trying to take the, bodies, take the bodies down because it's so dangerous. So what they do, they actually go up and they clean the mountainside because uh, trash is a big deal. They say every person leaves about eight pounds of trash behind. And they also, uh, the last three years, I want to say they've brought down like four or five different unknown, unidentified bodies. Crazy stuff. Uh, Mount Everest is the most domesticated of all the 14 tallest mountains in the world. And they always had the infrastructure, ladders, ropes, all this kind of stuff. And the Sherpas, they have the economy kind of built in so that they can be the easier mountain to climb. More than 900 people will attempt to summit Mount Everest in 2023. 
and uh, they're probably approaching a thousand at this point. It'll cost you between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars if you want to climb Mount Everest. Guess how much the Sherpas make who have to guide the people down the mountains, up the mountains, and they have to be the ones to deal with the trauma of these poop people who, who may see dead bodies. The people that are there traveling with may die. Uh, guess how much the Sherpas make? I'm not going to say it on air, but I, I, I just wrote it down, and let me see what you say. Jack, you want to try to guess how much the Sherpas make? It's got to be depressing if you're going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Go ahead. $5,000. Oh, man, I gave them way too much money because I wrote down twenty k. You yeah, you get way too much. I oh, get no. way too much. Out of the fifty or hundred k, these dudes make five k. They're doing all the work. I think I is make per, more money part per, time and on the radio. I was just no no, say, no 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 per it, season, not per trip. That's what I was just per about to season. ask. Per oh season, and it's like gosh. a it's like a two to three week season of climbing of summiting. Oh my god, they make five thousand dollars, and this is the most dangerous job on the planet, gentlemen, or at least no. one of them. No, dang yeah. it! It'll cost you eleven thousand dollars to get your permit to climb. Uh, $6,000 for the gear, $2,500 for the food, $5,000 for the oxygen tanks, $2,000 for the oxygen mask, $6,000 uh, to the guide or Sherpa. If you want to tip them, you probably should. Um, $600 for trip insurance, $400 for medical insurance. I love that medical insurance is the cheapest thing on here because they figure if you're healthy to make it or you're going to die. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> med- Nobody's treating you. You're oh. either going to make it or you will die. And oh okay, so we, and this is the point. This is why it's bad that they have so much overcrowding because they're overcrowding during because they're trying to make as much money as they can, right? So they're like the they're like the airlines. They're trying to pack as many people in that damn sardine can as they can to make as much money. So they're packing as many people on this mountainside as they can, and they have pictures. My goodness, they have pictures, guys. Of we're talking about scores, dozens of people on the mountainside of Mount Everest mm-hmm. who can't. There's a tra- little a traffic jam. They can't get up and down the mountain because there's so many people that are basically log jammed right. right there because there's no room to move. And if you move too far, the right or left, you will die. You will fall off the mountain. That's how, that's how again, people are to making the money. Not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of the problem with Mount Everest. And it's like at one point, and this is the same you know, unfortunately, I do think it's the same story with the Titan submersal when greed and narcissism and hubris and ego all go unchecked. Um, you can have these issues. And I you know, that's why they have people die all the time on Mount Everest. Now, it's, it's just a dangerous thing to do, but they could make it safer if mm-hmm. they wouldn't have these log jams. And what happens, the log jams happen and then people get caught in what I call going back to. The death zone. I don't want to be in that. You ain't supposed to be in the death zone for too long. People get caught in the death zone because of the traffic jams, because the mound's too damn crowded. Mm, mm, and, mm. That, and people are dying literally because they get caught in the death zone too long. It's like, oh, man, sorry. Imagine imagine dying because the line was too damn long. That's, I mean. <laughs> like, imagine, like, oh, I, I had to settle And there's no communication throughout this time. There's something, like, there's got to be. They're on the side of the mountain. Like, well, how do you, There's mean, no tower for for cell phone use because they're on one of the tallest mountains in the world. <laughs> like, I just don't. I, I just don't. I don't Same get reason why that people, you can't get down thirteen thousand feet. That's why to I'm the like, submersal. I'm like, there's reasons why things are put out of reach. That's a great quote. <laughs> there is reasons why <laughs> things are put out of reach. <laughs> Like, what are you doing to yourself? The but, sense of adventure, I don't understand it. 
That's w- in the Bible, Harge. Right. You ever heard of the Tower of Babel? <laughs> yeah. We are not meant to go up there. We, we are, are not meant to go not down meant there. We are not meant to go up. I, I, I and will we say this. Not meant to go down. We, That's we, right. d- I, we do have to respect and admire the explorers. I do. Right. Because they you, are. They're, they're giving us some information. Souls. They are doing things. They're exploring yes. our world in different ways um, that we obviously are not courageous enough to do. Um, what's the old quote? You know, man's Im- imagination um, no longer exceeds his grasp. It, right. So we are to the point now where there. Thing. <laughs> Sorry to say, yes, it does. Yeah. We're at the point now like, where, I can't get to <laughs> where we can imagine some of these crazy, wild things and actually accomplish them. So I, I admire these people, but yeah, I, it's they. These are also people that I'm sure sign a waiver that it says, "Hey, you know what? You could die." And there are dead people up there that have yeah. died who signed the waiver that where you're at right now, about to eat the same meal you ate, drink the same coffee you ate, and they went up there perfectly healthy, ran three miles a day, and died. Mm-hmm. And they go, bring it on. Break it out. If it's my time, it's my time. And I admire that. Like I said. But, but you created your time. Imagine your life. Our life, some people's life are so good, we risk our lives <laughs> for entertainment purposes. Think about that. Correct. Imagine your life Correct. being so good, you risk it to entertain yourself because you're so bored yep. with how good your life is. Yep. That is great. We are at a great time in society. Yep. <laughs> and that's why you had two billionaires on that sub. Why? Because their life is so good. Yep. They had to risk it to entertain themselves. You've seen some of that dude's quotes? <laughs> some of his quotes are real freezing cold takes at this point. Oh, yeah. The uh, the guy that helped build the sub and everything. We yeah. got a couple of those, those quotes. Got to get back to a couple of those. Man. Yeah, yeah so we'll do that. I we don't do that. want none of that. Anyway, uh, that was my rant. We'll get to the Brandon Miller's uh audio here in a second too. We'll get down on, on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk some NBA. That's my random rant for the day. All right, we'll come right back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't engage in organized life-risking recreational activities. Thank you, sir. But if you do, good for you. Hey, congratulations. Just please be careful and get life insurance if you have a family. Exactly, because your we'll family right is going to be looking for you. <laughs> right here. Well, don't lie. What if we're not doing? Yep. Wow. Folks, so the boy tell him I'm in the building. Everybody get on the dance floor. This girl got a dunk. She's been a second all night. Wow, wow. She got a dunk. She got a dunk. She got a dunk. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. New theme Thursday. That's where my man Jack uh, takes jams. And uh, based on these selections that are played, Harge and I are supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the new theme of the day. And it's all about the bootylicious badonkadonk. Yeah, that beautiful backside. That's what today's uh, new theme is. And all the songs reference booties, backsides, badonkadonks, booties, bootylicious, whatever you want to be. Um, also, thanks to my man Jack hooking it up. Okay, um, let's get to this Brandon Miller sound because Brandon Miller was expected at one point to be the number two overall pick by the Charlotte Hornets. And recently his draft stock has begun to plummet. And we're going to play some audio for you that may be at the heart of the conspiracy theory that may explain his draft stock drop. So the first piece of sound is Brandon Miller being asked about who the GOAT is and the GOAT conversation between uh, fans about LeBron and MJ. And listen to his response. Brandon. You said you're wearing black and red at the draft, right? Jordan wore black and red as a member of the Bulls. Here's my question, unrelated to that. You're young. Older people and young people often have this LeBron and Michael conversation. I'm not going to ask you who's the greatest because that's old. But because you've been in Michael's presence and because you grew up liking LeBron, as a young person, do you feel like that conversation is just overdone. No, because I, I actually don't uh, think LeBron is, you know, 
the goal of basketball. I think my goal of basketball is Paul George. You know, I always grew up watching him, so it's never just LeBron. That's it. When you talk with Michael, what is something? Was that when you went through your draft process? Was that the first time you met him? Well, definitely. That's my first time I ever seeing him in person. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely exciting, you know. He's Michael Jordan, so got uh, yeah, to jump on the free throw line. The shoes that we wear all the time. It's kind of exciting to meet him. What is something that you took away from that, as far as just meeting him? That like some people say, "Wow, like he chews gum like this." Like, what is something random that you you picked up from him that that you just will stick with you forever? Other than I see him airball that free throw, yeah, that would be the only thing. I see him airball. Wow. Okay, um, there's a lot to, um, to, to, to analyze there. Okay, first of all, the Paul George thing. He says Paul George is his goat. His goat. Yeah. His. That is strange. <laughs> we got to put that on the back burner because his jab at MJ at the end there, talking about MJ missing a free throw, wasn't the only time he mentioned that to the media. Now, that sound was courtesy, courtesy of Bally Sports. We got some other audio here of him with the Sirius XM NBA crew and listen to him also take a shot at MJ again. I definitely think I fit in great due to the fact they got Melo, Mark, all the other guys. I think Melo's a great passing point guard. Uh, I think with my scoring ability, I think that duo or trio would, would be great. Um, definitely, definitely, I, I definitely take pride on the defensive side. I think that, that could play a big part in just winning ball games at, in Charlotte. Um, and I can say working out in front of Michael Jordan, I think I think all people would think I would be pressured because, you know, of course, he's Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan was never the guy I grew up watching, um, kind of grew up watching Paul George. So I think Michael Jordan was just a regular guy to me in the gym watching me work out. Um, so, I mean, it was definitely cool to meet him. Uh, he definitely sounds like how he sounds on TV, <laughs> always trash talking. So I just really had a, a fun time with him. But you also mentioned within that that he's just like he is on TV. He's talking trash. So that, what did he say to you? Uh, he, he told me I was just a shooter, <laughs> just shooting threes. Uh, so I mean, it's nothing. I, I know I, I know my my talents and my abilities. Uh, you can't really let Jordan get in your head, you know. It, it might make him feel good and make you feel bad. So, uh, kind of talking trash back to him. I witnessed him airball the free throw too. So wait, so I, J- I Jordan airballed the yeah, free throw? I always have that. I always have that up against him. How did he, was he having a, a free throw shot? How did that happen? Was he having a contest with him? Just him? It's him just being old. It's him just being old. You, you better hope he sells the team or you might uh, be on the bench there. Lace him up. Lace him up. <laughs> All right, we know that MJ is among the most competitive human beings on the planet. He's got the competitive sickness. Also, Harge, extremely petty. His petty gene also through the roof. Is it possible that the draft stock of Brandon Miller is dropping because everybody knows MJ? Oh, he's petty enough to not draft a guy who's going to talk that kind of trash. Brandon Miller chose violence in these, <laughs> in, in these interviews going after MJ. My man decided, you know, if you see me in the jungle, don't help me help the bear. That is exactly where Brandon Miller is going. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to that, wow. and I'm listening to it, and I'm listening to it, and I continually think, mm. dude, you are not going to Charlotte. No. Is he trolling us, or? He's hey he's he, hey he is he's a genius right now. 
from the troll. I can't call him a genius because of the Paul George comment. I would say he's a genius because of the troll job he's putting yeah, on the yeah, goat. Yeah. But then you got the Paul George coming. Maybe that's the oh, maybe he's trolling us and trolling MJ. That's what he and can. LeBron. But his game is <sighs> Paul George esque. So I can kind of look at it and say, all right, I see why he can say that. That is his goat. That's who he grew up idolizing and wanting to be like. Wow. Because it's hard for you to be. MJ, and it's definitely hard for you to be LeBron. Like, physically, you're just not going to be able to be either of those. But you can definitely be a Paul George starter kit. Okay. So you can. That's a good explanation. You can look at it and say, man, I can't be like that. Because everybody, I want to be like Mike. Everybody can't be like Mike. Hmm. But you can, Every, but you can, you can be, be like Paul. You can be Paul George. <laughs> you can be like Paul. You can be Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> Your you goals can be, like can be met if you want to be That's Paul fair. George. That is fair. Uh, all right, there you go. Conspiracy theory as to why Brandon, uh, his, uh, his Brandon Miller stock could be dropping in the upcoming draft. Uh, draft getting ready Plummeting. to start. <laughs> so we'll talk about the NBA draft. Also, we'll hear from Dak Prescott. He did an interview with the ticket. We'll talk about that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.